The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 318 for July 1st, 2012. Google I.O. brings big announcements, RIM announces dismal quarterly results, and happy fifth birthday to the iPhone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. So happy fifth birthday to the iPhone. It was five years ago this week that we first started the show by talking about the release of that first generation iPhone. We also gave our thoughts on it. And at the time, I figured it wasn't going to be like any big thing to the industry. I figured it would be like every other Apple product, well-received, but not really gaining mass market share. Joey, boy, was I wrong. Yeah, really. You know, it, it at the time, Apple was uh, gaining ground very quickly with the, the computers and the iPods. And it was turning more mainstream, but still, you know, it didn't represent, uh, you know, the, the the mass appeal that we have now in Apple products. And it really kind of just led to this critical mass of attention with the iPhone. It uh, led to more people getting Mac computers and vice versa, people getting iPhones and getting Macs. And it's really just fed upon itself over the over the few years. And, and of course, the iPhone as we know it today is nothing like the original one with, you know, you really couldn't even call it a smartphone. It had a nice, glossy, uh, fluid interface, but, you know, it had basic calendar, basic email. You know, it was very, very, very simple. No applications. It, you know, it barely represents what we know today. And I think that's what's so amazing about this. There's only five years uh, from the time that it was announced, and you just look at how transformational it was to the smartphone industry, really the mobile phone industry in in general. Because if you look at any device today, I don't care if you're an Apple fan um, or not, or if you've got an iPhone or not, the device that's in your pocket today um, has clearly been influenced by the iPhone. And I think that there's nothing uh, that can really be pointed out as having as big of an effect on the industry as the iPhone and, and when it first came out. And, you know, it was it was Android who really started the, uh, you know, the folks that were on Verizon uh, down the mark, down the road of trying to find yourself in uh, in your, in a you know, smartphone situation. But um, it was it was the iPhone that really led to all the design and everything that is is we know today with these, you know, black slabs of big piece of glass with a, you know, an interface that you're, is all touch-based, uh, the lack of buttons in many cases and whatnot. So um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, it was June 29th, 2007 was the exact date that it rolled out. It was a Friday. It got released at 6 p.m. local time, uh, wherever you were, uh, around uh, a few launch countries out there. And uh, that was pretty much the, the the beginning of it. It took them, I think, seventy four days to sell a million units. And uh, you know, at the time, sixteen gigs cost you, I think it was six hundred dollars. And if you wanted to buy the four gig model, that was a hundred dollars less, or somewhere around there. And so it was it was very expensive. It did not require um, well, it did require a contract, but you didn't get a subsidy for it, if I remember correctly. Yes. And uh, yep. it was a couple months later, Apple came out and said, uh, you know, we're dropping the prices. And for those of you who have already bought one of these, we're going to give you a credit to Apple. And, and, you know, and then from there, we saw, you know, of course, the prices in general just drop. And so smartphones then got these huge subsidies to them. And, and, and now we're at the point where we're at today. So very interesting, though, that uh, it was it was five years ago, which feels like an eternity yet not that long ago. 
No, it really isn't. And, you know, it is amazing how quickly things have changed, you know, because, you know, previous five years, you know, we barely moved from the, you know, the Palm Pilots trios. They had barely changed in five years at all from, you know, it was like very, very stagnant. We had some Windows mobile devices that had moved fairly quickly kind of during that time period. But, you know, that uh, operating system was really kind of reaching its useful life limit and you know it really did bring in a shift which then of course we then saw uh you know the web os uh clone you know that's come and gone already we've seen now windows phone uh you know seven has kind of copied this you know schema and tried to kind of mimic this design we've got android which has kind of moved more towards that direction even though it was kind of almost a parallel uh development where it was something similar but you know we've we're we're going to see more with the blackberry 10 um going to be kind of you know following this lead again with this uh the style of iphone like interface and just in general it was a, a really exciting time i was at an apple store when it first opened to see it i did not buy one uh but i did get to see it in fact it was then uh, that store was open until midnight that night. I, I stayed there for about a half hour or so, then went home, and then actually went back to the store later when I could actually get some hands-on time with one so I could play around with it and see how it went. And I think I even remember talking about my impressions of it and saying, I, I crashed the Maps application within just a, just a couple of minutes of using it. And, and so what they've got to work on this and stuff. And I, I, I think back to that, and I go, boy, I, I was just very short-sighted as to what that actually represented at the time. And so it's so much fun to you know to see where it is now. And I, you know, uh, I... I I don't try and hide the fact that I use an iPhone every day. I enjoy it. It's, it's the best device that I have uh, for, in my needs, and, and so I really enjoy it. And it's just one of those great things that I, is makes, has made my life better, and I enjoy using it every day. Yeah, it really has changed uh, you know, the market because of the price point that Apple later went to, the $200 kind of entry you know, smartphone price arena. And you know, at the time, that was pretty unheard of. I mean, we were still you know, pushing Windows mobile devices that were you know, five, $600. Uh, they were you know, kind of starting at the $400 range. So we you know, kind of have the out-the-door price for the, the devices. And we really you know, changed you know, with that. Like you said, they needed some uh they needed some work and they did but what's interesting is the foundation was was laid with the iphone the 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 substance really hasn't changed much as far as you know what its core uh was supposed to be and how it worked and and it's just migrated and you know and improved this whole time to where it you know that was the the building block the strong you know the strong foundation that's led to where we're at now with the iphone just kind of like the uh you know the 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 ios 10 or the mac os 10 where we've got you know it's the unix based it it really is you know developed over the past few years you know since since they switched to intel you know pretty drastically where it's really held up uh, very well compared to windows where we were still on xp you know we've gone to windows 7 you know vista was basically just dead i mean only uh, i don't know how many handful of people had ever ended up using that but you know compared to you know the mac side it's really you know they have a great foundation with their os that they can keep building upon and it, it's kind of to me it's on it, it's kind of parallel on and how they've been implemented it's a it's an android you know good reference for android as well if you look at what android was when it started out and um you know i mean other than it being uh, an interface that had some applications, but that's pretty much every smartphone application or smartphone platform. Uh, Android is really quite different than it was when Android, you know, Cupcake first came out. And so I think that uh, that's a true testament to just how much work went into it 
at the very beginning with iOS that they they came out with something that um, is if you I, I've still got a first generation iPhone. In fact, I turned it on this weekend just to to look at it and stuff. And I mean, it feels very much like obviously much slower, but it feels very much like what the 4s is like today uh, in the interface and how the the icons you know function and stuff like that. And again, just a true testament to just how great uh, the core foundation, as you put it, Joey, is for this platform. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what's, uh, you know, there's definitely some stability there as far as the design goes and the way it, it interacts. But, you know, it seems like Apple really did do a lot of research into that. And, you know, they launched the original iPhone to, you know, very simple specifications. We had edge only data. We had, you know, very, very easy to understand features, very, you know, presentable to kind of the common person, which really really went for it uh, in general but you know but not just the converse i mean the geeks really wanted as well because it did represent a major shift it wasn't the first time we've had a touchscreen phone we've had those for years i mean i had those years and years back but you had to use a stylus and it wasn't optimized for finger input you know there wasn't a nice fancy glass screen on it that resisted scratching i mean there's all these little things made such a huge uh difference even though nothing was really dramatic about the the feature list if you you know side by side bullet points you'd go for you know the windows mobile device every time if if that was really the case i look at where we've where we've come from and the devices that i've used over time and and it was there there hasn't been any phone that's really captivated me as much um as the iphone and android is really uh, done a good job over the years of kind of making building on what they came out with and um, I, I guess I feel like if it would have been if Android would have been built in the same way that iOS was it probably wouldn't have come out until Android 2.0 at the very least you know and, and then from there built on top of it but um, I, I do want to transition away from Apple and, and start talking a little bit about Android and Google and what they did this week because they held uh, their 2012 Google I.O. conference uh, that's kicked off uh, early this week out in San Francisco and uh, there were three notable events uh, obviously Android 4.1 Jellybean which we talked about last week just as the fact that we knew that's what it was going to be. Uh, they also announced and released the Nexus 7 tablet, uh, and then there's the Nexus Q, and we'll talk briefly about that as well. But uh, I do want to talk about, uh, first off, the new Android operating system. Uh, 4.1 is going to be called Jellybean. We know this, uh, and here's what we're going to get out of it. Number one, core updates designed to make it uh, faster overall. And if you've watched any of the demo videos of this, you've absolutely seen this. It's really much faster. Um, and they've got something called Project Butter going, which we'll talk about in just a second, but makes it very, very smooth. Uh, next, you've got a pull-down notification that lets users interact uh, with uh, each item that's in there without actually leaving that shade. So uh, it's things like if you're late for a meeting, you can go ahead and, and email everyone right from the notifications to let them know. Or if you miss a call, you can call them back very easily from this. Uh, and they're also expandable so you can even get like previews of emails from the notifications now uh, and you can also see things like photos uh, that have been posted to Google Plus right in there with actually out, jumping out of your notifications and back uh, into an application which is nice if you're doing something else on the phone and you just want to see what's going on. Then you've got interactive widgets making it easier to insert widgets on your home screens. Also resizing will happen to fit available uh, into the available space that you have on that screen and then you can also remove any unwanted applications or widgets with a swipe off uh, of the home screen to delete them. So it's much easier to get rid of them now. 
then you've got voice recognition features that will now work offline and also give you faster results for when you're searching. In fact, uh, again, there's some nice things to see in demos, just how fast that goes. Then Google Now, probably one of the more interesting things that got announced. This is a way for the phone to provide results that are location and user specific and completely up to date. That means that information like transit schedules, flight status, sports scores, um, and even your schedule will be displayed and Google will learn and monitor your user data and uh, make it more useful to you as you go through your day and uh, as you use the device. And as an example, uh, if you arrive at a train station each morning at the same time, the new Android will inform you of when the next train is scheduled to arrive so you know if it's on time or if it's going to be late or whatnot. Then you've got updates to the camera and gallery applications along with Android Beam to make them easier to use. Just swipe over from the camera to a film strip view to instantly view your photos that you've just taken. You can also quickly swipe away the ones that you don't like and also sharing is easier. Android's dictionaries are now more accurate and relevant. The language model in Jellybean adapts over time to the user, and the keyboard even guesses what the next word will be before you've even started typing it. Also, the improved text-to-speech capabilities and voice typing on Android are even better. It works even when you don't have a data connection, so you can type with your voice anywhere you go. Then there's Google Play. It's been changed to allow apps to update uh, by only downloading changed code, not the entire app. That's a pretty unique thing. Also, apps can now be uninstalled and updated as well through the desktop browser. So you can do it all from your browser. You don't even have to touch the phone. And then on the Google Play side, you also have the inclusion of movies, TV shows, and magazine purchases. Finally, Android 4.1 will be available mid-July for the Samsung Galaxy Nexus, Nexus S, and Motorola Zoom as an over-the-air update. Now, as I mentioned before, the new with the new OS comes Project Butter, and this is Google's attempt to reduce the biggest complaint of the operating system, and that is device lag. What they're doing is they're letting the CPU and graphics run in parallel, and the impact is an interface that runs at 60 frames a second. Graphics are triple buffered to keep scrolling and transition smooth, and it includes a power-saving measure that dials back the device's CPU to lower frequencies and then kicks in when a user touches the screen. Basically, Joey, what we have now is something that is comparable to the iOS, at least from what I can tell. Yeah, and you know, it it really will vary probably based on the application. It'll take some time for them to get updated, but I think this will definitely lead to uh, you know, the perception of the quality uh, improvement, I think, for the Android OS. And this is one big thing that you really, it's uh, no pun intended, but it's hard to put your finger on when you're using a, an iOS device versus an Android device. But I think this will go a long way to improving that feel and overall responsiveness to to the user input. I'm excited to see this. And in fact, I've uh I think I mentioned it about a month and a half ago. I was looking to get another Nexus. And um, in fact, I, I never end up pulling the trigger on it and uh, I've got uh, I've got a friend who's got one so I think I'm going to borrow that for a while and uh, try and hack on it's a Verizon Nexus and I'm going to try and hack on Jellybean and just try and get my uh, get my hands around this because clearly it'll uh, I, I'm really excited to see what this is like, and I really uh, I, I like giving Android a chance, especially when we see these new versions of the OS. And it's it's amazing, isn't it, that we talked about uh, Ice Cream Sandwich back in October of last year, and uh, we're only in June right now. And we're already talking about Jelly Beans. So uh, quick updates here. We've got, what, less than 10% of the Android devices out there are running Ice Cream Sandwich. In fact, the Motorola Zoom uh, just got, or excuse me, Motorola uh, Razor and Razor Max just got their Ice Cream Sandwich updates this weekend. Um, and so I think there's, uh, there's, a, there's a long way to go of kind of unifying this. But um, either way, it's good to be a Nexus owner, right, Joey? I mean, I, I know they did not mention the, uh, the Nexus S4G, but I'm really hoping that you get an opportunity to see this. 
Yeah, that one's a... I have a feeling it'll be a long shot based on the age of the Nexus S. I mean, since it started out so long ago, but, you know, Sprint would have to approve this and, you know, Google would, of course, have to get this out. We'll see. I'm not going to hold my breath. I was actually kind of surprised we ended up getting the uh, the ice cream sandwich here, but it is kind of crazy considering... I have a Nexus device and it was promised in October, you know, you'll get this right away in your Nexus S. But, you know, this is, it just came out like, what, two months ago, I think. I think is when it was released, which, you know, this is, we're really behind. I mean, this is really behind. And this, you know, I know also they had uh, done some announcement that they're going to try to get manufacturers the operating systems a couple of months beforehand, which should really uh, help getting devices out the door with the current OS considering we still see gingerbread devices coming out today, which is beyond uh, beyond understanding, considering when you buy an Apple product, the day the OS is out, it's already got it upgraded on it when it's going out the door, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I, I think there's uh, there's something to be said for buying a Nexus device, and for those that were on the fence about it, you know, this is a kind of a testament to just what Google is going to be doing with this. And, um, you know, you do have to, if you want to hack on a... Uh, a version right now it's not going to be pushed out to mid july like i mentioned if you want to hack on a version right now you do have to root your device but uh you know i think that's a small price to pay to uh, to get to be able to play with this i guess there's there could be some potential issues with it but hopefully not too many because it is uh it, it does look really really nice at least from what i've seen those that were out at google io were, were given one of these with uh an update the very next day to jelly bean and so that was uh, a very nice thing for them to do a nice thing to see so that at least it can get out into the hands of uh into reviewers hands right away yeah, so this re- does represent kind of the, you know, it wasn't a major version upgrade. We we kind of, I, I kind of knew that was coming. There was some speculation it was going to be Android 5.0 this uh, this year we were going to see. But, you know, the, you know in the past with 1.5, 1.6, and then they jumped to 2 and 2.1, or 2.0, 2.1, 2.3, you know, they went all the way up there. So I think we're going to see at least a couple more of these dot releases for the ice cream sandwich version of, uh, you know, it'll be a couple more years before they do a major overhaul again. There's no reason to, right? I mean, everything that they've got right now looks looks really good. So what's what's the reasoning for them to to try and do anything? It's just this project butter really was, I think, the key to it, and that's gonna. I actually I, I need to try it out because I think that could make a big difference for me in just the 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 actual usability of Android and making it not seem so frustrating and laggy. And that's kind of what I felt like up until now. Yeah, and I agree with you. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that even on the, uh, the hopefully they get it on the CyanogenMod 9, uh, you know, at s- some point here. Obviously, the source code hasn't been released yet, so that'll still be a, a couple of months out. But uh, I've got it updated on my touchpad here, and I'm still, I've actually played with that a bunch this weekend, and they've done some major improvements. So if you do have a touchpad laying around, definitely check out the latest official nightly builds that they have on that. And it's a, a major improvement. So it's, uh, it, it will be really interesting to see how this uh, pans out for Android here in the later part of this year. And it wasn't just software. We saw hardware as well from the conference. They announced the Nexus 7. It's a 7-inch vanilla Android tablet. It's got a 1280 by 800 display quad-core processor. Tegra 3, that's got a 12-core GPU. It's either uh, in an 8 or 16 gig variant, 1 gig of RAM, 1.2 megapixel front-facing camera, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, NFC, and a gyroscope, 9 hours of video, 300 hours of standby, 
and it has Chrome as the standard browser. That is a market first. It will be $199 for the 8-gig model, $249 for the 16-gig model. Available in the Google Play Store. Shipping will begin mid-July in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the U.K. Pre-orders are available today, and uh, it also includes a $25 credit in the Google Play Store when you buy one. Now, following the keynote, Google updated multiple Android applications. The Google Chrome for Android browser has now finally moved out of beta into version 1.0. It's available on Android 4.0 devices and up. Other updates include Google Play Movies, YouTube, Maps, Playbooks, Street View, and Google Earth. All are free updates through the Google Play Store. Now for Maps, Google has enabled offline caching with its update. Over 150 countries are supported, and you can store up to six large metro areas like New York, London, or Paris using a new menu option. Then there's the queue. On the home entertainment front, Google has announced the Nexus Q. It's a circuit social streaming media player. It's $299 and the queue allows users to wirelessly stream music, video, and YouTube content to their home entertainment system directly from their Android device. The Nexus Q can be directed, uh, connected directly to speaker systems also to act as an amplifier. Now regarding the Google Plus, Google announced that they're releasing a tablet optimized version for both Android tablets and the iPad for Google Plus. Android version is available now. The iPad version is coming soon. And a new feature in Google Plus is the creating and managing of events as well as integrating with Google Calendar, which allows, uh, which in a new feature that they're calling party mode. Once you've enabled party mode on your mobile device, all of your new photos get added to an event in real time. And as more guests turn on party mode, more pictures Pictures will instantly appear in the uh, actual invite there. And uh, it, this is Google's way of really kind of pulling together events that are happening in real time. Uh, and they're going to really, uh, I think, try and create these these ways for people to share things more uh, in real time than like a, a social media site like a Facebook or a Twitter or something like that. So kind of a unique twist on that. Um, a little scary on the privacy front, especially if you maybe forget to turn it off or you take a picture at at that time, maybe you didn't go to the event or something. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. But of course, you can turn all this stuff off. And finally, Google announced that 400 million Android devices have now been activated, including a rate of 1 million new devices each and every day. Android users have installed 20 billion applications through the Play Store, and that's more than 50% of app revenues are now coming from in-app purchases on those applications. There are now 600,000 apps and games available for download. So pretty big news, uh, Joey. I uh, you know, I look at some of this stuff. I think it's nice that there's a tablet out there directly from Google now. If I ever decide I want to buy an Android tablet, I'll probably buy the Nexus 7 just because it's smaller. And uh, if I want a smaller tablet, I would like to have it in the Nexus uh, flavor. Um, you know, on the Q front, I don't know that I'm ever going to need something like this, especially for $300. It's just a little much for a uh, set-top box type of deal. And most people would agree, especially if you've got uh, Apple products, uh, an Apple TV is a better way to go. Uh, I mean, this has a built-in audio amplifier, but you need to have speakers for it as well. So it's a little strange. I have zero interest in the in the queue because um, I, I wouldn't use any of those functions. I just wouldn't. So uh, hopefully they find a, a home for this thing. And this is uh, something that uh, people really want because... I don't see it, uh, but it's it's interesting nonetheless. I, I think that this uh, 7-inch tablet is an amazing price. Obviously, the comparison to the Amazon uh, Kindle Fire is aptly so because it's basically another tablet of the same, uh, basically the same Android operating system running. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just really, really uh, interested to see how this kind of uh, bodes for Android tablets. 
it's really going to make all the other manufacturers try and figure out what they're going to do because they're you know shortly after this this all this news came out we uh, we started hearing reports that Google was actually making zero dollars in profit by selling this and, and really just a move to get people to buy an Android tablet and uh, to you know to sell it so cheaply and they're getting a, a great product here quite honestly that would probably be sold by any other manufacturer for what three four hundred dollars and they're selling it for two hundred so they're getting people uh, interested and or invested in the Android ecosystem by selling a piece of hardware and then they'll make their money on the back end. Yeah, and that's what they're planning on doing. And uh, this is a strategy that RIM should have probably taken with their playbooks. You know, it's a 7-inch tablet, and they were charging iPad prices for it. And it was an unproven, unknown, no marketing behind Well, there was marketing, but, you know, nothing like Apple behind it. Uh, no ecosystem other than being called BlackBerry. But, it, you know, once somebody, you know, took a quick look and learned that uh, it had no email, no BBM, nothing actually having to do with Blackberries, it really wasn't, you know, a product for them so you know this price is going to pan out to be something interesting and yeah they're taking a hit on this um and it's going to be tough for other manufacturers you know like the other one i'd recommend if you wanted an android tablet that's bigger is getting an asus they're the ones that seem to be very very quick on the updates to you know the latest builds the latest revisions keeping them up to date and keeping them working um, so that would be the next one I'd, uh, you know, really look at if you want other than a Nexus, because it doesn't really have a front end on it at all. It's basically just pure Android. So, um, that's a good way to go for tablet, but you know, I don't, you know, even still we got this $200, you know, seven inch tablet. I, I just don't think we're going to see an Apple competitor, which is of course the one we keep, you know, reading about. I don't think we're going to see a $250 iPad. Hmm. I pretty much agree with you i think with that i'm thinking about how they would uh, go about that maybe a seven inch tablet uh they, they don't there's no there's no i think need for one at least as, as far as their strategy is concerned then again if we're talking about a bigger iphone maybe we're talking about a smaller tablet and, and trying to see them fit into you know some some different sizes there but i'll be honest i i don't mind uh, the smaller iphone most of the time there are times when i want a bigger screen and i mentioned this before if i ever want a bigger screen i just pick up the iPad because you know what I want a much bigger screen um, and it's 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 so nice and portable to have uh, a device and I you know you know the the three and a half inch screen isn't as much as I think it is with the actual width of the device and and from everything we've seen with these leaked builds um, you know these rumored you know look how the they're, they're talking about the hardware looking it's the same width it's just a little bit taller and and that would be just fine because it's it's easy enough to hold in your hand still it's just going to be sticking up a little bit taller and you've got more room there you know and it's great for watching videos and such but uh, not adding any more width to it is really what I think is key. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, the the seven inch tablet I know is very popular size for a lot of people, but I think that it's uh, yeah, to me, it's a little too close to the phone uh, size of things. Yeah, and I honestly don't really like uh, a, a device that's going to fit kind of in the middle. I, I look for something to fill a need and and i that's what i like i'd rather have more than one device um than than to try and fit something that that's really i don't know kind of trying to be a blend of both and that's where i where i guess i really enjoy what apple has done with their with their product lineup here is because it's created a very distinct lines for desktop laptops tablets phones and it's it feels like these these four different devices that you have and it's it's very um in the very different uh uses and you don't feel like well i could probably do this with this other device there's I feel very confident in whatever I'm doing with the device that I'm using it on. And what I find 
what the big what the big difference is okay you take the android phone in my case or the ipod touch that i use you know when you type on it you're using your thumbs okay because you're holding the device portrait uh, most of the time that's however ever i ever use android or the uh, the uh, ipod touch and that works very well now for the ipad for typing how do you type on it you type it as a full keyboard like a full qwerty keyboard that wouldn't I, I wouldn't be able to do that on a seven inch screen. I'd have my fingers all contorted. How do you type on a seven inch screen? It's either that you've got this huge thumb board with your fingers all over the place, or you're trying to cram all your fingers to type QWERTY. To me, it just doesn't seem like it's a it's an ergonomic thing to even try. And I feel that way a lot of times about the phones uh, with our that are a little bit bigger. You know, you look at the notes and something like that. It's just when you go sideways on it, it's it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, it's way too spread out in my opinion. The thumb board is, is too much. So um, you can go much faster with the where everything is is put right there, where almost literally half of your thumb is cover, covering, uh, or your whole thumb is covering half of the keyboard, and that's really what seems to work well. And it, it can figure it out. So anyway, uh, we digress. So it's it's not you know they're not costing them anything to or they're not making anything on margins. That is, um, you know, and in fact they're actually absorbing marketing costs. So they're they're pretty much having a loss for every device that they sell with these. But uh, either way. Uh, Andy Rubin still says there's plenty of room left in the Android uh, tablet innovation uh, space. So we'll see what how that all plays out, right? Let's move on here. Next, we have this week, as we reported last month, the National Weather Service in conjunction with U.S. mobile operators is set to start a new severe weather warning notification system for those in the path of dangerous conditions. Starting on Thursday, the National Weather Service will send out emergency alerts for those in the path of tornadoes, hurricanes, typhoons, tsunamis, flash floods, extreme winds, blizzards, and ice and dust storms by sending an up to 90-character message to the devices. The service is free, requires no sign-up, and users can opt out if they don't want to continue receiving the messages. Many carriers are participating in the system with Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile offering the service nationwide, while AT&T only offering the service in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Portland, Oregon to start. Additional markets, of course, to be launched in the future. Apple will support the service in the fall, though no word for which devices. Now, this is a very interesting service, and uh, I thought, oh boy, here we go, something silly again. But this is something different. This is actually based on the cell towers themselves, where it's not based on your phone number. It's not based on where your home market is. It's You're not going to be getting weather alerts for Kansas if you live in uh, Minnesota, because I'm on Sprint. It actually uses the, the actual towers in that county and the messages broadcast out directly, and it's only wherever you're physically located at as long as your device is capable of this and i know uh inside sprint now blog had a had a very detailed list of all the devices that support the service and it's very limited even my nexus s4g doesn't support it at this time so uh it's basically just really new devices that support this service but i think it's very neat um to have something like this uh, in originally they said you wouldn't be able to opt out so i think that's interesting that they have that on the weather that you can opt out on the presidential alerts we can cannot opt out on so that's uh something hopefully it's not used uh too much unless there's actually uh something very important yeah absolutely and th- we had talked about it last month and i assume that it was launching and it would be out and i actually had made notes to myself to to follow up on this and try and you know figure out when the the test alerts were going to go out never saw any of them and so finally all of a sudden this week the story breaks and 
I uh, I felt like well this was this was old news and then I realized that this was that it was just kind of like the initial you know uh, kind of announcement that there was this thing coming out called the commercial mobile alert service and so the CMAS now um, is is live um, if you are in certain parts of the country uh, that are receiving these and you've got a device that receives it I would love to see a screenshot of it if you ever get one of these messages that comes through uh, just to kind of see what that's all about so of course send those in if you do get them. And I know Minnesota's got it uh, started now as well. There was an article in the newspaper that uh, mentioned this a little bit while back. So, yeah, it's probably not in every state and county yet. It'll take a little bit to uh, get this going. But the only thing I see in my head, though, is in the future, it's like, are the carriers going to start selling this capability off to uh, uh, spammers or something? But I think this should be, since this is uh, pretty much a government uh, project here, so we should be safe, I think. I would think so. Absolutely. Now, we told you that story to kind of buffer the news of some very exciting Google news with some very depressing RIM news. On Thursday this week, Research in Motion released their earnings information for fiscal year or fiscal quarter one of 2013. They announced their first net loss in nearly eight years, also massive layoffs and a delay in the release of BlackBerry 10 smartphones. In its first net quarterly loss since 2004, revenue fell in Q1 to $2.8 billion in Q1. That's down 33% from the 4.2 billion in the prior quarter. This led to a quarterly loss of $518 million. Cash on hand, however, rose a little bit uh, to $2.2 billion, and they had a cash flow of $710 million. Now, shipments of the BlackBerry smartphones were $7.8 million, and shipments of the Playbook approximately $260,000. But the biggest blow is that RIM now expects the launch of BlackBerry 10 smartphones to be pushed into the first quarter of 2013. That's delayed from an expected launch date that they had announced earlier in the year that said that we would see BlackBerry 10 devices sometime late in 2012. RIM also plans to cut 5,000 jobs soon, though still expects an operating loss in the second quarter as well. So, Joey, this all this news came out this week, and uh, you know, obviously, a lot of the the doom and gloom stories then followed from uh, different media outlets. And you know, I read this and I felt really bad hearing uh, not only for all of the people that are going to be losing their jobs, but also the fact that BlackBerry has not been able to figure out uh, what their you know this uh, the, this cash flow problem that they've had here is is really not uh, going away, and in fact, it's getting worse. And um, at the same time, um, you wonder, is a is a delay in in the release of these new smartphones actually going to help them out? And I know Torsten Hines says, well, of course, we want to make sure everything gets perfect and, and, and right and stuff like that. But I just don't know that this is really going to be good. I mean, we're talking about another iPhone is going to be released. We're going to see a ton of Android devices, Windows Phone uh, 8 is now going to be available before they get another device out. And people are just not going to wait, even if you're a BlackBerry faithful person. You're not going to be waiting for this next version. You're going to figure out something else to go with. Oh, absolutely. They're going to skip a whole nother generation of uh, potential, you know, customers that were, you know, had Blackberries in the past and thought, oh, I'll give them another shot. But, you know, at this point in time, I think some, you know, other than keeping the company running in the meantime here, because we basically knew until Blackberry 10 devices came out uh, and of course thereafter in order for them to gain traction again, they'd be on a downward slide and it's just like a a huge slide down and you know look at their current offerings of phones i i think they're a year old now uh, i believe pretty much every one of their newest devices and even before that they're just uh, a year before that one was the latest release so it's uh, very little we've seen from them and they're still based on the you know the os the, the the 
the traditional BlackBerry OS. The new uh, version 7 is a lot quicker and smoother, and it's uh, it's improved, but it's not anything uh, to compare out there in the market right now as far as the, the you know, Android and, and iOS. So to get the BlackBerry 10 out later, which um, I know we'd kind of speculated it wouldn't be in 2012 at all. I know we, we talked about that being, you know, second half of 2013, I mean, even look at the playbook announcement and how many months it took them to get that out the door and even the updates to get email on it. It just it it, way too slow. So I I think this is going to uh, probably get to the point where they'll end up scrapping it all together and totally starting over from scratch with some new ideas to, to not just be, you know, a copycat or they'll get it out and it'll probably just fizzle. Maybe not so much like Windows Phone because Microsoft has a huge budget they're put you know dumping towards marketing of this uh, of of the windows phone project but it's um it, it, it to me it seems pretty risky pretty risky and you know unfortunate in the timing if you look at if, if you, even if you were a blackberry user and you looked at android and you went Ugh, you know there's there's it's buggy it's weird it's whatever you look at ios and you go i don't like apple i don't want to do that you look at windows phone and go yeah the, the, the app development isn't any better than what i have on my blackberry you know, you've seen iOS 6 now. You've seen uh, Android 4.1 with all the improvements that Jelly Bean has. You've seen Windows Phone 8, and you've seen just how much they're doing with this. And it's it's hard to deny at this point that you're sitting there on a, on a device or a platform that, yes, it's really good at some things, but when it comes down to what it is that you're looking to do in the mobile space, you're probably wanting a little bit more. And I absolutely feel that now every day using the BlackBerry. In fact, I lost yet another BlackBerry uh, messenger contact yesterday. And uh, so I am now down to five, actually, excuse me, four people only that I now know using Android or BlackBerry devices. One of them happens to be Crackberry Kevin. So uh, it's, there's not that many left, at least in, in my circle of friends. No, and it's uh, that's w- what is unfortunate because you know uh, all the reports are that it won't support the BlackBerry Exchange server right off the bat either. That they're not going to it's it's going to require a whole different you know backend to support these new devices. Which of course anybody like in my position that actually still has Blackberries issued uh, out to uh, out to employees, you know what is my alternative? I mean, I I, I just uh, replace somebody with one of the new Sprint torches, you know, the full touchscreen model, and. It, it's definitely time to uh, move on to just, you know, the regular ActiveSync uh, exchange-based uh, hosting now because it's really not going to do anything for me. And, it, you know, it, it's that's kind of their, their current crop of customers now because they've left consumers so far uh, behind that I'm not entirely sure why they're trying to gain back consumers. Now, it, it's a really strange, I mean, obviously they totally lost where they were going, lost their direction. So they need to get something something back going. Yeah, and it's uh, it's going to have to happen quick here. And unfortunately, we're talking now Q1 of uh, calendar year 2013, which could actually be uh, up to nine months from now, believe it or not, if you think about where we're at. We're now July 1st, second half of the year, and we're talking about end of the third month of 2013 is uh, where they're they're quoting it. It could be up till that point at least. Well, San Francisco judge on excuse me, San Jose judge on Friday granted a preliminary injunction to Apple that bars the sales of a Sam, the Samsung Galaxy Nexus in the US. If upheld, the appeal hearing on Monday could have the injunction remaining until a trial comes in July. The subject of the dispute is whether Samsung infringed on a universal search function patent among many others. Boy, this one is, uh, you you know, you hear all the things that are going on and and we kind of stray away from talking about many of them. But I mean, this one is, is 
kind of verging on ridiculous. And I was I was not really pleased to hear about this one that Apple was just coming out and saying, you know, hey, we've got some some patents here and we want this particular device, which, mind you, has been on sale now for almost nine months now. And just now they're coming in with a patent dispute. Yeah, this is it's ridiculous. Uh, obviously, there's some issues with, you know, patents and patent reforms. We've got these huge patent portfolios that these companies have. And, uh, you know, they, they patent every little single thing that's common sense. And I, I'm very cynical of, of the system, but I fully support the system, though, because there are very, very good inventions that should be protected. But I think all the software stuff, uh, you know, is, oh boy, that that's pretty... It's pretty thin here, and and obviously somehow these injunctions should be done uh, long before the device ever hits the market. You know, kept from being produced even. I mean, this should be at the 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 somehow these should be checked before the device goes into production, even to keep this from being an issue with inventory and consumer. It is very strange. It's not. Uh, this, I, I kind of don't think this is going to hold up. I know there's already been countersuits filed uh, today about this, and it's not going to. I, I don't think it'll really stop the device from being sold at this point. I don't <clears throat> honestly don't think so either. And uh, I, I think it's going to be overturned at some point. And, and you know, it, it's just, again, it's one of those like ridiculous things that is going on. And again, one of the reasons we don't talk about him is as we've been going through this year, I, I just am like, oh, throw my hands up and say, whatever, let's let's just go move on here and let's talk about more stuff that's interesting. But we go from the ridiculous to stating the obvious. And the Telegraph out of the UK has released a study that says that people are not talking on their phones as much these days. Now, they went ahead and talked to Mobile Network O2, and the survey showed that the average smartphone user uh, is actually using their device about two hours per day. Web browsing ranks as the first most used activity on the device, about 25 minutes of the usage time. Next come social media, music, and games with 17 and a half, 15 and a half, and 14 and a half minutes, respectively. Calls rank fifth at about 12 minutes Per day, Joey, that's, uh, again, just kind of stating the obvious. I, I don't even think I'm using about 12 minutes a day on phones anymore. Yeah, I don't think I do either. Uh, with the exception of some months, for some reason, there's a bunch of calls I make. It's kind of comes in uh, fits where there'll be a bunch, but I don't use it nearly as much as I used to. And texting has really replaced a lot of that. Uh, I, you know, way back when I you know, first got the syndrome, I got texting. Ah, who needs that? What, what, what is that dumb thing? I'm, I'm going to talk to somebody if I'm going to communicate. Oh, boy, was I wrong on that one. It's uh, I, I think that's taken a big place of it. And BBM was also a big uh, aspect to that as well. And, uh, you know, iMessage now, not so much because I don't have an iPhone, but I do use the iPad quite a bit with that. Uh, and, you know, these other ways of communicating. And of course, a lot of people use Facebook now. I, I don't, but uh, Twitter as well. So these other forms of communication, electronic forms of communications really taken over the phone calling. And what's interesting about this uh, study here is what was it? Two hours, more than two hours per day. I'm sure I'm maybe not so much on my phone, but with the iPad and the phone, I'm probably at two hours a day using it. And some days, of course, it's, you know, 10 hours straight uh, weekends, probably more so. But that is a very interesting statistic because if you think about what you're getting out of that and in this kind of i read an, another story this week i think it was in gadget or something it said you know every year i've uh, upgraded my iphone to the newest version i've even paid full price for it why not when you think about it if you're using it two hours per day that device itself if you paid six hundred dollars for it uh you know full price that would be a dollar sixty a day that you're paying for that and if you're using that two hours a day look at i mean that's like 
it's almost nothing to be using that as far as the uh, the time that you're getting out of this thing you know this you're really getting a lot of value for your money i suppose is what i'm trying to to boil it down to uh compared to buying a cup of coffee or something like that for the two or three dollars it's really it's pretty interesting how much usage uh, smartphones are getting a lot of usage and you're absolutely right and that's that's one of the the arguments that i will, will always make is that you're you're if it's something that is worth it that you're going to be using quite a bit and it's going to bring you satisfaction spend the money on it you'll enjoy it um you know and and save save your pennies somewhere else and, and spend it on what it is that you want to buy uh, also in this report they said that 54 percent of respondents now use their smartphone as an alarm clock and nearly half have replaced their watch with a smartphone interestingly though you talked about texting joey uh, if, rounding out the top 10 in order uh, after all those things we already talked about our emails then texting then tv and film books and the camera and of course uh nap for me like navigation i mean having the android built-in navigation that's coming to ios 6 uh you know turn-by-turn navigation so there's a lot of things it's uh, taken the place of yeah, it absolutely has. It's it's kind of the uh, Swiss Army, and in fact, it's still doing many things well. Uh, calling, it does well. It's just not something that a lot of us are actually using anymore. Well, a quick PSA. This comes from The Consumerist. If you are someone who has had issues with Sprint or having issues with Sprint, there is a hotline that you can call. A spokesperson uh, for Sprint told The Consumerist this week um, that they still do have an escalations group. Uh, this is called what they call executive customer service. And if you need to get in touch with someone at Sprint, if you can't get through to any other avenue, there is a phone number here. It's 866-561-0035. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can go to that if you need it. In other Sprint news, on Wednesday this week, they announced the launch of its first 4G LTE markets. They will occur in July, July 15th to be specific. The first markets will be Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, and San Antonio. More cities will be launched by the end of the year with the network completed by the end of 2013, covering 250 million people. T-Mobile on Monday announced an agreement with Verizon Wireless to purchase and exchange Spectrum licenses in the AWS Spectrum in 218 U.S. markets. The transaction submitted to the FCC for approval would improve T-Mobile's position in 15 of the top 25 markets around the country, helping the coverage for around 60 million people. The Spectrum is planned for deployment to enhance T-Mobile's 4G services, including the network modernization and LTE rollout next year. T-Mobile would exchange cash and Spectrum covering 22 million people to Verizon as consideration. The deal needs federal approval before it can be memorialized. T-Mobile on Wednesday announced new enterprise-focused data plans that offer either unlimited or throttled speeds. The plans apply to tablets, hotspots, and uh, dongles for laptops in either 500 megabytes, 2 gigabytes, 5 gigabytes, or 10 gigabyte options. The classic plans will offer unthrottled overage rates ranging from $0.02 to $0.10 per megabyte depending on the plan. Value plans will be available offering the same tiered options. The speeds will be throttled once the limit is reached. Prices range from $30 dollars for 500 megabytes to 78 dollars for the 10 gig classic plans respective value plans are five dollars less per month t-mobile ceo philip hum resigned this week leaving the company after seven years with deutsche telecom t-mobile coo jim ailing will cover the position until a permanent replacement is found reuters first reported that hum will join vodafone on october 1st as chief executive of northern and central europe Vodafone on Thursday issued a statement confirming Hum's new role, stating that the company feels it would be a strong addition to the Vodafone executive group committee. 
T-Mobile on Wednesday confirmed via Twitter that subscribers using its 2G or 3G data plans will be allowed to keep them when the 1900 MHz spectrum comes online later this year. Per the tweet from at T-Mobile Help, whether you are on 2G or 3G, we charge the same for your data. Your account will not change due to the 1900 MHz refarm. This means that those with legacy plans such as the $5 unlimited 2G and Edge data plan will be able to use that SIM in a 4G HSPA plus iPhone and not pay any more for the data. However, uh, I could not find anywhere that's, uh, that shows whether or not this is going to actually allow for faster speeds. I would imagine that depending on the plan that you're on, you're going to see reduced speeds dependent on what sort of uh, the, uh, the access points that you're hitting. Virgin Media on Monday announced a new value unlimited tariff for UK subscribers to complete compete with three UK's one plan and T-Mobile's full Monty. At £21 per month, the plan offers unlimited data, texts, and unlimited landline calls, as well as 2,500 minutes to mobile phones. Subscribers to Virgin's cable or home broadband services can get additional discounts, offering plans as low as £13 per month. Subscribers will also have access to the London Underground Wi-Fi network while commuting. Well, you can support the cell phone junkie by and the work we do here each week by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our bi-monthly premium show, which for only $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 for an entire year will give you in-depth conversations about the latest in sailor issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. And on this week's Unlock show, we talked about the rise in text spam messages, how you can stop that flow, as well as the Samsung Galaxy S3 hitting all five carriers here in the U.S. And we did a, a detailed comparison of how the S3 compares to the 4S. You can sign up for just a month to check it out and see if you'd like it for only five bucks. Head over to thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link on the right side for TCPJ Unlocked. Boost Mobile on Wednesday announced the BlackBerry Curve 9310 would be arriving on July 10th for only $100. The 9310 will be offered on the $45 plan from Boost Mobile for unlimited talk, text, and BlackBerry Messenger. The plan cost will shrink by $5 for every six months of on-time payments, down to $30 after 18 months. The 9310 will be available through Boost Mobile retail channels, including Best Buy. Sprint on Wednesday announced the Samsung Galaxy S3 would be available beginning on Sunday, July 1st. It will be offered in the 16-gig version for $199 and the 32-gig version for $249 with new line or eligible upgrade and two-year service agreement. They will be available through all Sprint retail channels. Google on Wednesday dropped the price of the GSM variant of the Galaxy Nexus to just $349 off contract from the Google Play Store. The device is compatible with AT&T and T-Mobile here in the U.S. and most international GSM carriers. Now, wouldn't it be nice if the CDMA ones were also that price just out of contract? It would be very nice. In fact, I'm, I'm interested to why they decided not to do that other than um, those that are going to be choosing one of those devices would obviously have to get it you know, provisioned in on their network. And I, my guess is that Google has agreements with each of those carriers not to probably do something like that. But it is very nice. I mean, I think back just, was it six months ago? It was December of 2011, where I purchased this exact same GSM Galaxy Nexus for $705, including the shipping on that one. So less than half of what I spent just six months later. 
Yeah, and wasn't it? I mean, that was even kind of a deal at the time, right? I mean, there was some even. I mean, mo- the the regular MSRP was even more than that. I think wasn't it? Uh, was it seven fifty or something? It was. But, yeah, it was a little bit more. That was that was not a bad price, and it's just been dropping and dropping. I would imagine it'll probably stay at three forty nine for quite a while. That is a pretty low price. Yeah, it, it is. That's ridiculously low. Really, I mean, it it really is ridiculous low. I I, I would be kind of tempted to go get a Sprint one if it was for three fifty out of contract. I'd probably go get it for that. So, hey, what? Can you do yeah and you know if you look at this and what you get with it of course you can use google wallet on it which you can't use on on some of the other models like the verizon version and uh you know of course you can pop back and forth between at&t or t-mobile depending on whatever you have it's a great deal uh i'm thinking about it again quite honestly it's this curse of the nexus i just can't get away from it especially with jelly bean just right around the corner of course i'll be waiting until it gets actually pushed out before i buy it but uh, either way if you're in the market for a new android device and you don't want to get involved in a new contract 349 this is a great way to go Finally, in devices, Virgin Mobile began selling the HTC One V this week, offering the Android 4 powered device on uh, contract-free. Features a 3.7-inch 800 by 480 display. It is available for $200. The show is also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. For the true Cell Phone Junkie, the apps integrate the best a show has to offer in a simple and effective package. In addition to on-demand access to the last 50 shows, you can call the show, email the show, follow the show's Twitter feed, view the show notes via a PDF document, and even listen to the show in the background while you do other things things if you're looking to experience everything the show has to offer our ios and android apps are for you well apple on tuesday released a new app called podcasts described as the easiest way to discover subscribe to and play your favorite podcasts on your iphone ipad and ipod touch the app is supported on the iphone 3gs ipod touch fourth generation and all ipads uh, and also features an easy way to manage subscriptions stream episodes and download for offline listening as well as syncing episode playback between devices podcast is a free download in the itunes app store and of course all those devices i mentioned those are the lowest versions and higher so of course the latest iphones of course do this as well now one of the features that they mention is the syncing of episode playback between devices i'll be honest i could not find anywhere that does this in fact i've got this application on on my iphone and ipad and uh, there is no syncing anywhere to be found so i'm not sure when that is going to be coming but certainly will be uh, will be nice if you're someone who's looking to listen to the cell phone junkie and stream it directly through itunes you can of course do so with this new podcast application and I also read that some people were having issues with, you know, the, you start an episode, you play two seconds of it, it marks it as played instead of uh, partially played like uh, it does with some of the other things, like in the video section, you can, it, it you know, clearly shows you you only played part of it and not finished it. So uh, there's, looks like there's a little bit of work to do on this application, which I'm, I'm sure they'll get it updated. It also doesn't seem to update perfectly. It uh, is not, uh, it's not right away, like where I'll, I'll go into a show I know has been posted uh, and I'll have to wait for it to refresh or pull down to refresh. And it's just, it's just not quite there yet. And it's, it's a little sad because the iTunes version, uh, the podcast in iTunes is, is pretty much instantaneous. It works really well. This application, since it is a downloaded app, does not have the capability to uh, fetch new feeds in the background like it would be if it was part of the operating system. So there is no, uh, you know, there is no behind the scenes updating for this. So it only works when you launch the application. Of course, it only will continue downloading for 10 minutes after you close it as well if you've got some big ones. So uh, it's definitely not ideal uh, way to go here. And that's why, you know, it's 
uh, kind of tough with these limitations on the iOS. But again, you know, there are benefits to those limitations as well. So uh, hopefully they bake this directly into iOS 6 where this uh, where some of these uh, kind of operating system limitations can be uh, 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 they're not a restriction then. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I, I like what they've done with this, though, and in, in, in that you can easily just stream the episodes. And I know you could do it before, but this makes it a lot easier. And that's something that I, I don't need most of the time to keep the episodes um, on my device. And, and so I'd rather just do go ahead and just, you know, stream it directly from the Internet if I'm, you know, wherever I'm at. So uh, that I do appreciate that. And, and it's just a yet another way to go to help to, to slim down the amount that's actually being used on your device. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. I mean, I still am using a 16 gig phone. I don't have any problems with it. Uh, you know, it's working just fine and I'm, I'm happy with that. So uh, either way, podcast, again, a free download in the iTunes app store, a couple of Google announcements this week, Google on Monday, updating the Gmail for iOS application, bringing notification center support and the ability to send mail as an alternative address. The update allows for banners, alerts, and lock screen notifications for messages received and sessions no longer expire. That means logins for each time the app is launched are not required. The update is available for free in the iTunes App Store for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. Now, uh, I did try this out actually quite extensively and uh, set it as um, not my default email client because, of course, you can't do that, but pretty much used it as the default way that messages were getting pushed out to me. And I will tell you, number one, it is very nice uh, to see uh, the push notification support. It is faster than the built-in mail application because, of course, that is not sending you out um, the alert on the home screen until the message has been downloaded, which means when the active sync exchange sync is completed. So versus just a push notification, which happens right away. Um, and uh, it is so it is very nice. You can go in. Of course, you've got all your folder support and really makes uh, a Gmail experience come to the iPhone much like how it's uh, felt on the Android device. And so uh, it's one, just one more thing uh, that I, I really am excited about on how Google is, is starting to get more. Uh, you know, outside of Android. And if you're a Google services user, this is another great way to be able to use your Gmail service on your iOS device. It works pretty well. Which is strange, of course, because you think, well, uh, Google has their Android uh, platform, so aren't they going to want to push people over to that by providing a uh, superior Gmail experience? And why would you produce this application? It's very strange. I know they want people using Gmail, but again, it, it, it's kind of conflicting to me. But uh, I do agree with you there, and there's another benefit of this as well, that you get to send your email based on the email addresses that you have set up in your Gmail account. Like for me, I don't use my my labeled Gmail account as my primary email address. I have my own domain name that I use, and that's how Google shows the messages being sent in this application. And you can choose between as many of them as you want if you have, as you have set up in your account, whereas the, the stock iOS application... It, it, uh, I think you can do kind of send on behalf of my username at Gmail, but uh, it, it, this is a much cleaner to the actual people you're sending out to. I, uh, I do appreciate that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, once I opened it up, I pulled it up and I think I've got somewhere like 12 aliases listed there. So I've got a number of different accounts that are filtering in. Uh, to uh, to my Gmail account. So it is very nice to see that, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. One last thing that I ask of Google to bring into this, and that is multiple account login. Uh, we do use a hosted Google uh, you know, program for, for one of my email addresses, and I would love to, oh, Google Apps that is, and I would love to be able to do that as well through this. Uh, but alas, you cannot yet, and so I'm still stuck by using the iOS mail application. 
Yeah, and that's a limitation that hopefully they'll get around, but uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's something to do with their uh, login uh, style on those uh, Google Apps accounts. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those one of those things. Again, would love to see it. Hopefully, very soon they will uh, will get that out. Google also this week announcing a, a mobile version of Chrome. This is the Chrome browser for Apple's iPhone and iPad. It has the same features as uh, both Android's mobile Chrome browser and the desktop version as well. The app is avail- available for free through the iTunes App Store. Now, this doesn't give you the uh, performance that you're used to uh, the, on the desktop and even on the, uh, the ice cream sandwich because it's just using basically the stop, stock WebKit browser, but it's giving you those features of the, the syncing of the tabs and the, uh, the bookmarks. So that's really all this is getting you. Um, also, it's not the default browser. It can't be made the default browser. So you know, links that you click on in email will still open up in Safari. How crazy is it, though, that we are seeing this on the iPhone and iPad before 90% of Android devices out there are actually seeing this? Because, of course, you can't get this on Gingerbread or lower. It's the absolute thing I just mentioned about the Gmail application. Why would you be pushing this out to you know iOS devices, Apple competing devices, when you're leaving pretty much all of your own Google customers behind that are running Gingerbread and earlier uh, for not being able to uh, use the Chrome browser on their uh, their mobile device. And it's uh, really bizarre. I, I mean, I don't get it. I would think they could do some sort of wrapper with the stock browser to do bookmark syncing, you know, to communicate with Google. Uh, maybe not have as fast and smooth of a browser, of, of course, because, you know, it's a totally different architecture than Ice Cream Sandwich. But But still, how could they not do that for Gingerbread? It doesn't make any sense because Firefox is on Gingerbread. I mean, why not? Yeah, it is nice, though. I uh, I did pull it up this week one time. I knew I had a, a tab open on uh, one of my browser sessions, and I wanted to view it on my phone, so I was able to do that. And uh, it is very nice. I do enjoy being able to do that. So excited to have it on both the iPhone and iPad. Google also announcing uh, that shortly after the Chrome announcement that Google Drive would be coming to iOS as well. Drive offers 5 gigs of free storage. You can also purchase additional amounts similar to Dropbox. They link with Google account, uh, Google Plus, excuse me, allowing for files to be shared socially as well. The search image uh, or image search feature is also pretty impressive. You, it uses Google goggles to analyze your images and associate keywords with them, uh, meaning if you take a picture of something with words on it and you do a search through your Google Drive, if you have your pictures stored there, uh, it will actually come back with the results. I verified this from something from years ago that I had taken a picture of and uh, was able to pull up a... I think I, it was the word king, and I was on a. Uh, it was a something that had the word king on it, and it popped up. I was just just baffled by that that they were able to do that. Anyway, it's a free download from the iTunes App Store. Unfortunately, it does not let you edit documents in it. So while it's a uh, you know Google Drive is really the new Google Docs, you can't use it to edit the documents in iOS. So it's a little funky there, but uh, at the very least, you're able to uh, to to see everything that you have in there, uh, which I suppose may be relatively useful. Probably not, though, but maybe we'll see. Mozilla on Tuesday announcing that Firefox for Android has left beta. It's now available for all Android devices. The new version is faster at rendering pages, scrolling around sites, and zooming in and out. Also, the start screen has been redesigned, and a new awesome screen syncs history, bookmarks, and passwords and form data between the desktop and mobile browser. This is for Android only and available for free in the Google Play Store. Adobe on Thursday announced that Flash for Android would be killed off and removed from Google Play on August 15th. Adobe said a version of mobile Flash will not be available for Android 4.1 and no support or security updates will be provided for those that install the app on devices with the newest OS. Security updates and other vital patches will continue, though, for existing users. 
And finally today, Slacker Radio on Tuesday announced customizable talk stations that offer content on topics ranging from gadgets to games to cars and gear. The new station, dubbed Men's Life and Women's Life, will offer content curated from some of the nation's most influential sources, including Esquire, Car and Driver, Consumer Reports, Popular Mechanics, Complex Magazine, and GQ. The new content is provided in conjunction with ABC Radio, and once a station is selected, Slacker Radio Plus and uh, premium radio subscribers can create their own custom lifestyle stations featuring the topics that are most relevant to them. The new stations are available for all levels of Slacker service starting immediately and are accessible through both the browser and mobile applications. Well, the questions and comments will be taking the week off for the 4th of July. It is uh, now over an hour into the show, and we've got darn near a half hour of questions and comments here, so we're going to push those off until next week. So if you've written into us, we will get your comments or questions on the next show. And uh, if you have any other ones, make sure that you get in touch with us. You can send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734. We don't anticipate a lot of news coming up this coming week, so we're uh, we're looking forward to being able to uh, spend most of next week's show on questions and comments. So if you have one for us, next week would be the perfect time to send it in so that we can get it on the show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.